And Dennis Stewart joining us today. Now, you had a, an interesting discussion you were telling me about with one of your patients. She's been using a herbal medication that you prescribed for her since 1990, and I, I can't work out how many years that is. <laughs> but it does contain a key herb, a herb with lots of uses, and that is lemon balm. Can you tell us a bit oh, about it? Oh, we can have a, a wow of a time today, Jane. This is a fascinating story, and it allows me to say something about this very common but remarkable and underrated herb. We'll look at it with great fascination. And Dennis is going to tell us a bit about lemon balm, but mm. first of all, Rod has rung in from Garden Suburb. Rod, you're wanting to come off statins, is that right? Yeah, I had a chat with my doctor and he said that soon I haven't had a heart attack, a stroke, and I'm still ailing. Uh, we're giving it a three-month <laughs> cut-off trial. Yes. I've up me uh, omega, omega, omega three pills, mm -hmm. um, and that's apart from me turmeric and stuff. That's the only pills I'm taking now, and I'd love to stay that way. Okay. What would you suggest? Okay. Is there anything else? Yes. Or? Oh, of course, of course. First of all, Rod, um, I think you, you've got a good doctor who's prepared to uh, monitor you with reference to this, because I was going to preface my answer to you by saying that in coming off any prescribed medication, you necessarily need to get your doctor on side. So I'm glad that you have got your GP on side who is giving you the opportunity to see if you can get your cholesterol under control without going on to statins. I'll be blunt with you and say that I'm not a fan of statins. I have a view, uh, an opinion, if you like, that these things are overprescribed, and I'm glad that uh, some in the medical profession are perhaps beginning to realise this and accede to their patients' concerns about being on them and giving them yep. a chance to see if using other techniques they can get their cholesterol to an acceptable level. Rod, could I, could I ask you, uh, what was the level that you were on prior to going on to medication? Oh, we're going back 20 years now. Um, the Army found out I had it. They sent me to the MO. The MO put me on pills straight away. I think I was on around about 6.8 or something. Okay. 6.8 6 is what I would refer to as moderately elevated. And in my opinion, uh, you have a good possibility of getting it below the 5.5 millimoles per litre that seems to be the yardstick of acceptance. Now, what you're doing with the, uh, with the fish oils is good, but I have said on this program before, and I'll reiterate it, if you're going to get benefit from the fish oils, you necessarily need to take a significant therapeutic dose. And most people that I see in my rooms are using doses far too low. The therapeutic dose is between 6 and 9 grams. So if you're not using a dose at that level, it's unlikely to give you the benefit that you're looking for. Now, that's point number one. But I might surprise you when I say that in my rooms nearly every week, I will see patients that have taken on board my advice to use what's called soluble fibre. Now, soluble fibre is one of the less well-known ways, uh, in my opinion anyway, of helping manage cholesterol. Soluble fibre comes in many foods and many preparations, but things like psyllium hulls found in Metamucil, um, beta-glucan found in oat bran, Products that contain um, soluble fibre such as those have a very, very high rating when taken consistently 
in dragging the cholesterol level towards that magic number. So if you're not using on a daily basis uh, soluble fibre, you need to think seriously about it. Simply something like uh, psyllium hulls, which is the basis of, of Metamucil, a very common preparation that you can purchase from supermarkets, taken at about 15 grams per day, which seems to be the level that the literature suggests, when taken at that level on a regular daily basis, not just ad hoc, on a regular daily basis, that is a very, very, very positive way of helping get the level down, particularly in conjunction with what you're presently doing. The other thing is there is a sugarcane derivative known as polycosinol. Now, polycosinol is in many cholesterol-lowering preparations. You see them on the, on the television screen fairly regularly. They are present in our health food stores and our pharmacies, and they have a good rating also, particularly for addressing moderately elevated levels of cholesterol. So you have your fish oils, which are these days cheap as dirt. You can use soluble, soluble fibre, psyllium or metamucil, again, very economical, and polycosinol as a supplement from the pharmacy or the health food store, reasonably priced. Interestingly, interestingly, and this is quite fascinating, of all the herbs that are used to address cholesterol reduction, one of them, interesting, interestingly, is a vegetable. It's known as, it's known as globe artichoke. Now, globe artichoke, unfortunately, is not eaten very much by Australians. It's eaten a lot by Europeans. But the, oh, good on you. Well, you're on the right track. But the, the interesting thing is this. Globe artichoke leaf. Globe artichoke leaf of all the herbs has the best rating when taken as a tea, a couple of cups of globe artichoke leaf tea per day. Very bitter, but it has literally a remarkable effect on dropping cholesterol and there is a very credible pharmacology as to how it achieves this by working on the liver and gallbladder. So take those things on board. I think you should communicate to your doctor the steps you are taking because three months may not be adequate to try one or the others uh, to see how far they can take you down. Perhaps using your fish oil and, and then using deliberate levels of soluble fibre perhaps working with that for a couple of months rather than moving towards the polycosinol and the globe artichoke leaf might be the way to go. But you should let your GP know that so that, that if perchance you've come down but not adequately, you can then blend in one of the other economic options, maybe even the very bitter globe artichoke leaf. But I don't know too many people, Rod, with uh, moderately elevated cholesterol levels that haven't been able to get their level down to a satisfactory level by using a non-statin approach. Okay. I'll, I'll definitely give you globe artichoke too, you go. The bitterness doesn't worry me. Oh, that's good because... Uh, any, I love to. Any, any bitter-tasting uh, herb or vegetable always has an effect on the liver and gallbladder. And without going into it too much, this choleretic effect and this cholagogic effect, as we call it, is fundamentally related to the process of reducing cholesterol levels. All right, okay. I'll, I'll give it a burn. I'll talk to the good doc and let him know what I'm doing, and he's happy to get me off it. Oh, good on him. Now, Joan, you've got a question about fibromyalgia. 
Yes, Dennis. I was wondering if you had any any sort of uh, suggestions for fibromyalgia, and uh, it's resulted in depression and anxiety and panic attacks. And I can't take anything for the pain. I've tried. I'm taking um, Panadol at the moment, and I mean it's not touching the the and that's the stress and everything. It's just sort of going around in circles. Sure. Your your GP has uh, prescribed the medication for you, Joan prescribed certain different things and I'd like I can't take like Lyrica and all those I can't take it and my sister's got it too and um yeah and and I can't take any of that I've had so many side effects look I I can understand what I'll do is make a few suggestions that uh, seem to help uh, quite a few of my patients particularly over the years uh, that I've been seeing people with this condition which by the way is not an easy condition to treat, not an easy condition to resolve, and I can understand, therefore, why you're down in the dumps and a bit depressed about it. But you would only need to see a little bit of improvement in your condition and the whole of your situation would change, wouldn't you, if you could just get a little bit of benefit from, from something to ease the discomfort. I'm so, not sleeping with it. And yeah, I've, yeah, and okay. I've, I've sort of, yeah. Okay. Now, I'll ask you a few questions. Have you had any acupuncture at all? Uh, yes, yes, um, down along my spine. Okay. Did that help? Uh, not much, okay. no. Now, I, I'll ask you a few other questions because I'll okay. go, go around the bush here. What yep. about remedial massage? Have you had any of that? That makes it worse. Okay. Have you tried Bowen therapy? No. Okay. Bowen therapy is useful. I, when I had my um, bulging disc... Boy, I don't want to even talk about it. It was so uncomfortable. But when I had my bulging disc, uh, like you, I did not find a, a lot of uh, benefit within uh, pharmaceutical medication. But I had a number of sessions of what's called Bowen therapy, which is, if you like, a gentle form of, of uh, therapy, which utilises, if you like, uh, pressure points, uh, active spots, particularly those that are frequently used by acupuncturists but involves no needles. To this day, I would claim that the four or five sessions that I had with, yeah. with Bowen therapy helped me and helped me rather quickly. So if you, if you haven't tried that, I would suggest that you contact a Bowen therapist. Where do you live? Uh, Charlestown, Manhattan. Okay. Look, there are, there are plenty of Bowen therapists really? around and they belong to a register and yeah. I, I would suggest at least you try those. Now, the other thing is that if you haven't been using a preparation called Astragalus 8, you may well be missing out on something that will promote recovery. Astragalus 8, you will see on the label of many Astragalus 8 products that recovery is one of the words that's used for the application of this remedy, which seems to work immunologically. So two things that I would suggest you do, become proactive, try to see light at the end of the tunnel, don't allow yourself to get down in the dumps, see that this condition will resolve either on its own or with the help of others, but try some bone therapy and try, go to your pharmacy and get hold of some Astragalus 8. That's a starting base, see how you go with that. You've got a shop down Warner's Bay. Um... Well, there is a shop down there, the health food store. It's not mine, but they stock the things that I mentioned. 
Okay, Joan, all the very best with that, yes. And uh, to a new RFM's health naturally, we've got Paul on the line. He's rung in, 49216216 from Newcastle. And the topic you're bringing up is rosacea, Paul. Yes, that's correct, yes. I've had it off and on for some time now. Hello, Paul. Paul, uh, is, your, is your condition pustular or just inflammatory? Oh, just inflammatory. So just just redness rather yeah, than redness, rather than yeah, pustules, yeah. and you've had it for quite exactly. so, you've had it for quite well, some time. Yeah, some time. I've been using a cream from the chemist. I can't remember the name of it. Rosex. Rosex. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. And, look, and, um, and that and she told me like I need to use it once a day for mm-hmm. up to six months or something. And I've been using it for three to four months without much. Um, okay. Success. I'm just wondering if you it's would know a, it's any got, other. It's got a fairly good reputation, but look, yeah, what, I, has, what, yeah. I, what I would suggest is just a couple of things that you could use in conjunction with this that may speed up the resolution of the process for you. Now, mm-hmm. in, interestingly, um, in the area of natural medicine, there are substances known as homeopathic remedies. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, homeopathic remedies are highly regarded around the world, even though in this country they seem to be presently being belittled. Um, mm-hmm. They are very, very popularly used in France, in Germany, and are a very well-established system of medicine. Within the homeopathic spectrum of remedies, there's a remedy known as sanguinaria. I'll spell it for you. S-A-N-G-U-I-N-A-R-I-A, sanguinaria. Mm-hmm. Now, sanguinaria is the botanical name for the herb bloodroot. And sanguinaria in a homeopathic potency, say, of 6C. Now, I won't give you a lecture on homeopathic potencies, but there are various levels of activity in homeopathy related to the potency or the dilution of the product that you prescribe. Uh, using, using sanguinaria, uh, 6C potency, or thereabouts, in pilule form or in uh, liquid form, would be a way that I would suggest you try to work with what you're presently using topically. If you were to go to a pharmacy that stocks this, and there are some in Newcastle um, that would have this preparation, if you have difficulty finding any, you can always ring my rooms, but you should be able to go to your pharmacist, ask for a preparation, do you stock uh, homeopathic remedies? If they say yes, they're bound to stock sanguinaria in a 6C potency or would be able to get it from one of the manufacturers uh, in Australia that make homeopathic remedies. Take do, that, you have it at, do you have it at Lambton? Yes, I think we do, but try your local uh, outlet first. But uh, it's not a difficult thing to procure. Now, the other thing is this. Whilst that's a homeopathic remedy, and you, even though you are using Rose-X, uh, also think about using a cream known as the GA cream. Now, the GA cream I speak frequently about on this program is a cream that looks like cortisone, uh, perhaps smells like cortisone, but it's not cortisone. GA uh, stands for glycrotinic acid, which is the extract from the herb licorice. Licorice is known botanically as glycorrhiza. And so these active chemicals from licorice in in an ointment or cream form are renowned around the world, particularly in Europe again, 
Europe, by the way, I keep mentioning because they're miles in front of us as far as an understanding of natural drugs and natural cosmetics. Uh, preparations based on glycotinic acid are used around the world cosmetically and also therapeutically. And I have used the GA cream uh, as a means of subduing some of the inflammation associated with this condition. So good as what you're t good as the preparation is that you're using, and I've got great regard for it. If you uh, find that it's not f doing the job as you would like, uh, think about using the GA cream and reinforce it orally. Um, even now, perhaps using the homeopathic preparation. So I can get the GA cream from where? Uh, again, um, you, you can find out. Um, <laughs> by going onto our screen. Um, but look, if you can't get it, you can always get it from my rooms. Okay. Now, Dennis, I promised you we'd go for this, <laughs> this topic. Thank you, thank you Jane. That's not brought up by me. <laughs> it is brought up by a listener, and it's all about jock itch. Okay. Look, jock itch is the term that's frequently used to describe a stubborn and very uncomfortable itch that can occur around the anogenital region particularly. Uh, truck drivers are famous for experiencing it, but it can affect anyone. Um, I have found that some of the best results for easing this condition and even perhaps working curatively is to take on board the potential of tea tree oil in both ointment and lotion forms. Um, I, there is a preparation called vaginol, and it's a preparation that I had developed years ago by one of my good uh, pharmacy colleagues. Where would I be without my pharmacy colleagues? And one of them still makes some of my preparations. Vaginol is one of them. And this is used mainly for, obviously, for female conditions uh, of the anogenital region. But it works just as well for male conditions that uh, are frequently referred to as jock itch. I would even see this as being perhaps used preventatively. Mm -hmm. it's a, it has a, a pleasant, pleasant 2% uh, level of tea tree oil in it. It has a very pleasant uh, smell or odour, so it's not something that's unpleasant. Um, very quickly, I'd say to that person, um, begin to use tea tree uh, oil-based products. Vaginol's an example, but there are other good Australian companies that, uh, whose products line our shelves in pharmacies and health food stores uh, that have tea tree based preparations particularly to address this. Try this as a starting base. Um, some people perhaps um, react a, a little bit to the tea tree oil uh, initially. I remember treating a, uh, a fighter pilot, this was probably 20 years ago, for a similar condition that was very unpleasantly around the anal region and he applied too much of it and was about 30,000 feet in the air doing somersaults, trying to ease some of the discomfort of the tea tree oil. So you have to, you have to, I say that tongue-in-cheek, but uh, be cautious if you are sensitive to tea tree oil, use a little bit of initially of it to, to do a patch test to make sure that, you, that you're comfortable. But I'm a great fan of tea tree-based products, particularly for rich conditions, and particularly for getting behind uh, some of what might be causing the jock itch, the fungal 
type of condition. So all the very best mm. with that. And uh, 49216216 for your call, your question to Dennis. Jan's rung in from Munkaray. Is it Munkaray or Munkaray, Jan? Uh, well, if you're a local, it's Munkaree. But Munkaree. I usually say Munkaray because it's what it looks like. <laughs> well, let's call it Munkaree and then we'll sound local. Your question's about hormone imbalance. That's right. I'm wondering about how to balance out hormones. I have oestrogen-driven breast cancer, and I haven't done any mainstream treatment, but all of the alternative things that I've done so far are not working because my hormones still are out of whack. My oestrogen levels are really high, and I'm looking for what I can do to help metabolise oestrogen and balance out the hormones. Jan, could you go over that? Did you say you, you have an active breast cancer? Yes, I do, yep. Are you being medically managed? No. Ooh, Jen, I'd be a bit cautious about that. Um, look, it's, this is an area where I think you really need to put yourself in the hands of a, of a medical practitioner. I've seen breast cancer go wrong with people trying to manage it themselves. Uh, my wife has had breast cancer um, and obviously we chose to go the medical pathway because very early in my career, I saw a case of a student of mine who refused to do the medical treatment and the outcome wasn't good. Please take my advice, talk with your GP, get referred on to the appropriate specialist people. I don't think it would be appropriate even for me to comment on doing anything about this. All good? Okay, thank you very much for your call, Jan, and again, all the very best with that. It is 19 to 1 to a new RFM. Well, shall we talk about lemon balm, Dennis? Why not? <laughs> Health naturally. Why not? Why not? Look, it is a fascinating topic, and I, I, I was prompted to talk about it today because a dear lady uh, saw me yesterday that, uh, who's been on my book since the 90s, and uh, she had a very, very uncomfortable gut condition, which was episodic, but when it occurred, there was virtually nothing that could help her, and it would be active for quite a number of weeks, if not months. These days, it would go under the banner of irritable bowel, but that's a term that covers a multitude of sins. Uh, the reality was, many years ago, she came to see me. At that stage, she was living in Sydney, and I was practicing on the Central Coast, and we prescribed a medication at that time in the 90s. Now that lady found that that was so successful in resolving her condition that she always had it on hand because over the years, the condition has reasserted itself here and there and her good doctors and recently her gastroenterologist who sees her every couple of years to, to scope her and, and check her out, um, reviewed the condition and, and asked her what she was doing and she said that she'd been taking this medication for so many years, and it was the only thing that quickly got onto her gut discomfort, resolved the condition, and pushed it into remission. Interesting thing was, there was no rejection on the part of her gastroenterologist at all, uh, and I think that's lovely, uh, uh, particularly when the lady mentioned that it was, it was based on herbs, and she conveyed to him that the leading herb was the herb lemon balm. So she came to see me yesterday because she was in the district and um, I hadn't seen her for years and years and years. She's changed. Uh, I've changed too. And, uh, <laughs> Who hasn't? <laughs> and we haven't. And I spent some time with her and we reminisced 
about the time we, we first met, the years of treatment, the occasional times we've met over the last 20, maybe nearly 30 years. Um, and we have just kept in touch with, with uh, telephone conversations, with her ringing for medication, which we have uh, sent to her. And she, we were talking about the lemon balm and how it was responsible for altering the whole condition that was so uncomfortable in her gut. And I thought, what a wonderful herb to talk about uh, because there are many people that experience gut conditions, particularly what we might call, well, we used to call it in the old days, nervous dyspepsia. That is, nerve-based conditions which reflect themselves in a lot of colic, uh, bloating, discomfort, and even nausea. And in this particular area, where you have that spectrum of symptoms, which, by the way, must have, been, must have always been adequately uh, diagnosed. I keep coming back to this all the time. Complementary medicine is complementary. It doesn't function in isolation. Even gut conditions uh, characterised by these fairly common symptoms can be associated with nasty diseases. Always have yourself screened by your GP or by the consultant. But many conditions of the gut are what we call functional. And that is the, 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 the machinery is okay, but it dysfunctions. And where you have those symptoms so frequently seen, bloating, uh, wind, colicky pain, nausea, that is where the herb lemon balm finds a classic and well-documented role in herbal medicine I brought in this morning just to remind myself of a few points. Potter's New Cyclopedia of Botanical Drugs and Preparations. In that text, there's an excellent reference confirming everything that I've said. And we would have mentioned over the years the good Dr. Rudolf Weiss, the German doctor. He was a great exponent of herbal medicine. And he, he uh, vouched for the efficacy of lemon balm particularly for anxiety or nerve-based conditions. And I say that because there are going to be many kids doing the HSC this year. Many of those kids, high achievers, will wind themselves up, get themselves all uptight. Some of them will even get nausea and, and, and anxiety before going to school. I've seen this many years. And uh, this is one of the remedies that's really let me down recommending to themselves and their parents that obviously come in with the kids with this condition, prescribe a medication based on lemon balm and see a lot of the symptoms associated with what we're talking about dissipate under the magnificent effect of this remarkable and common garden herb. Oh, gee, that sounds mm, like mm, a wonderful mm. solution. It, look, it is. Yeah. It's, and, and it comes as a herbal tea. Mm comes as a herbal tea. One of the things I'm going to do this year, Jane, even on this program, is emphasise that one does not have to use sophisticated herbal products to get an effect. The old way of using the herb as a tea is frequently just as efficacious as using it in a more sophisticated extract, tablet or capsule form. And Linda has rung in from Edgeworth and... Linda, your question's about lemon balm and whether it's uh -huh. going to be any good for your condition. <laughs> Hello, Linda. Yeah, um, 
I'm ringing up. I had a, um, I had stage four endometriosis, so yes. I had to have a full yes. hysterectomy yes. last year. I had my ovaries, everything yes. removed, yes. but everything in my abdomen was glued together Good. to my bowel yes, and my yeah. all that sort of stuff. So it was a <clears throat> quite a nasty operation, and my bowel had to get shaved. Yes. It hasn't been the same since. It was Thank in April you. last year, yes. and I've got a lot of bloating. Yes. I don't have, I don't have pain. Oh, I have a bit of pain. I don't get gassy as such, but my stomach will go up as much as 12 centimetres, like my abdomen will go up as much as 12 centimetres, yes. um, and then it'll go away. I've put on three kilos in a day, yes. in the last day, yeah. um, and I get really, I'm having trouble with um, like constipation and stuff. Of course. Look, I make, obviously anything I say may sound even a little bit um, superficial. But okay. uh, a lot of what I've said about lemon balm, I think, would be very appropriate for helping okay. manage for helping manage some of the symptoms. But yeah. in a condition like that, a compound uh, mixture comprised of, say, lemon balm, chamomile, and peppermint would, okay. in, would, in my opinion, cover more of the symptom picture than what you uh, might think. Lemon balm is very, very useful and would lead, would be the leader in the combination. But the other two herbs that are used mostly to deal with functional gut conditions is the German chamomile and the common peppermint. They are underrated again. Let me emphasize, they are underrated even by naturopaths and herbalists. They are underrated in their ability to address a whole heap of functional gut symptoms. Start off with the lemon balm. Use yeah. it use it as a herbal tea. You should be able okay. to pre- you should be able to procure it from a good health food store. If you can't okay. if you can't contact me and I'll put you into contact with people then that can supply it as a tea form. I don't normally prescribe in, in, in teas, but you can get that preparation, I'm sure, in one of the many brands at a good health food store. Start with that. Take at, yeah. least, take at least three cups a day. Okay. But also keep up your sleeve the possibility of augmenting it with the chamomile and the peppermint or if you get no benefit from using uh, the, the, the lemon balm, which would surprise me, Go next to your chamomile, next to chamomile as a herb tea, at least three yeah. cups a day, and also think of peppermint, uh, which comes as a herb tea but in more, many more sophisticated forms. Work through those three herbs. I would be most surprised if you didn't get some benefit. And, okay. uh, and as far as your bowel functioning is concerned, don't overlook uh, the, the use of dandelion tea, which you can get from your supermarket. It's a gentle agent that okay. promotes that promotes healthy peristalsis. Oh, okay, yeah, well, that, sounds, that sounds really good. Okay, thank you for that. Thank you. And thanks for your call. And Number three. N- 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 number three. And um, uh, Linda now... Um, from Long Jetty, another Linda. But Linda, you're from Long Jetty, and your question is Sanguinaria. Hi, Dennis. How are you going? I'm well. How are you? Very well, thank you. That's good. I'm good. Just, good. I'm, thank you. I'm just inquiring with the Sanguinaria, yes. the six C potency. Yeah, yes. Do you take that uh, once or twice a day? Okay. 
uh, I'm not, uh, uh, forgive me if I sound as if I'm giving a lecture on homeopathy, but it's important uh, to, to keep in mind here that sanguinaria 6C is what's called a low potency in the homeopathic mm -hmm. spectrum of things. Higher potencies in homeopathy are given very, very infrequently. But when you're using lower potencies, uh, and you would be using this, say, in a pilule form, as it's called in homeopathy, you would be using it at least three times a day. And the 6C, okay. And ideally, ideally, uh, if you're using it in a pilule form, uh, it should be taken outside of a meal. That is preferably have it say 20 minutes or half an hour before breakfast and similarly before lunch and before dinner at night uh, make sure that you, 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 you're using it if you like on an empty gut mm -hmm. that's the way that homeopathy tends to emphasise um, the way of taking its medications now I know, I know to the sceptics and the cynics that sounds a little bit esoteric uh, I don't think it's esoteric because I've used homeopathy and still use it and happily use it. Um, so use it that way in pilule form, taking a couple of the little pills uh, on, a, on an empty gut, say three times daily. Okay, so two, two of the six C's three times a day on an empty stomach. That's, that's what I would be recommending. Wonderful, okay. Give that a go. I'd be confident you'd get some benefit. All the very best with that, Linda. Now, just before we finish, we've still got a couple of minutes. Um, lemon balm is also very useful when you're a beekeeper. <laughs> well, of course. Lemon balm is known as Melissa officinalis. And with your language skills, you immediately acknowledged in our prior conversation that mel is, is part of the Latin uh, terminology for honey. So oxymel, for instance, is a pharmaceutical preparation based on honey. So Melissa officinalis, or lemon balm, is known because of the way in which it's related to beekeeping. Now, the old beekeepers again of Europe knew that if you smeared a hive, if you smeared the brood chamber with lemon balm, fresh lemon balm, that had a quietening effect on the hive and lessened its tendency to swarm. So there's a hint Excellent. for the beekeepers. Use lemon balm. Lemon balm is good for so many things. Oh, it is. It we seems. could keep talking. We could keep talking, but we won't. However, what I want to ask you is, um, have you checked out the Health Naturally page on the 2NURFM.com website, Dennis? I haven't. Well, you really should. There's some wonderful pictures there. There's the book that books that you talked about last oh, really? week are on there as well. And uh, also, of course, podcasts are available. So, uh, And I bet you haven't heard a podcast of yourself either. Oh, look, I'm technologically literate. I'm not a bad <laughs> herbalist, but I'm not much good at anything else. My grandkids... The youngest of them embarrass me with their technological skills. I'm hoping I'll be able to turn them into good herbalists. I am sure, and they will have the technological skills to go with it. So that is Health Naturally on 2NURFM. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.